Uh, good morning, everybody. You guys doing good? Welcome to week number three of uh, our, our, our series, the What's the Difference series. We're talking about different religions. Uh, how many of you guys have been here for the first two weeks that we talked about different religions? We talked about Catholicism. We talked uh, about Mormonism. And today we're talking about Islam. Come on, everybody say Islam. Yeah. Uh, I'm Pastor Deej. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect Community Church. Uh, we have two other uh, pastors that are active on duty pastors. We have Pastor Derek Fryer, lead pastor, right here with us. Uh, we also have uh, Pastor Mark. So, so Pastor Derek is known as PD. Uh, I'm known as PD. And Pastor Mark, we still, we still don't have a, a, a P for him. So it's either PM or, or P Mark or something. We're going to figure it out eventually. Um, and uh, so if you're here visiting us for the first time, I just want to say welcome to our online audience as well um, and cable TV. Uh, welcome. So glad you guys are with us. Uh, but before I get going, I just want to say uh, what an awesome day we had yesterday. I don't know how many of you guys were a part of it. But we had uh, what we call Serve Day. We had a lot of us coming out and just serving the community and, and just doing good. Uh, we were paint, uh, painting uh, gazebos, uh, benches, uh, doing some landscaping, walking with elderly people, and, and just being a light in this world. It's so good to be able to give back to our community. That was, uh, Pastor Mark was leading that. Um, and you can be looking forward to different opportunities in the future to continue to serve our community. Come on, let's give it up to everybody that served yesterday. And I just want to say to you, uh, Pastor Derek is right here with us today. Um, uh, it, is, it is really an honor uh, for me to be up here and just talking to, uh, to our church and just uh, bringing the word of God. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, today. Uh, now, if you're ever confused with who, like PD, PD, uh, or, or, or PM, in this case, right there in the middle, um, uh, you know, I'm the only one that has a head full of hair, just saying. So... So that's easy. That's an easy distinction. You know, uh, this one up here, uh, PD looks like, uh, like Thor, uh, minus the hair. And uh, Pastor Mark looks like Bruce Willis, minus the guns. So it's very easy to find out who is who here. You know, I'm going to start with uh, just a story. Uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we were um, in Storyland in New Hampshire. And we, uh, we were just having fun with the kids, lots of great activities, lots of great restaurants, amazing food. Uh, of course, I have to talk about food, but it was awesome. And uh, we were at this restaurant uh, waiting for our table outside with the little pager thing. And, uh, and then this other family comes in, so husband, wife, and one child. And we started talking and just having conversation, having, having a good time. And they started asking us, how is it to go from one to two kids and... Uh, it was just, just having a conversation. Eventually, we got called in. So we went inside, got our table, uh, and sat down. As we were about to order, uh, they ended up getting the table right next to us, which was awesome because then we could continue the conversation. Uh, and realizing I had a little more time, I asked the, the normal question I normally ask when I, when I interact with people I don't know, which, and I have intentionality on that, by the way. So I asked them, so uh, what do you do for a living? Now, why do I ask that? Because people always ask after they answer. They say, what about you? You see? You see? <laughs> so I did it, and I asked him, and he told me what he did for a living. And then uh, immediately after he said he did what normally people do, uh, he said, so what about you? And then I said, well, I'm actually a pastor. The moment I said that, the moment I said that, he just like sat up straight, and he shouted, amen. <laughs> Sarah is here. She remembers. He shouted, amen. He was like so uncomfortable 
with that. And he even said, like, I wasn't expecting that. But then he was looking at, like, almost looking at me. He was looking to the side. You know that look when, um, when you see something you're not supposed to see and then you kind of feel embarrassed by it? Like when you walk in the wrong bathroom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it happens to you, but it happens to me when, that, when, when I do that. So anyway, so he was looking almost at me and he was like very embarrassed by it. And I was like, what's going on? So it created a little bit of an awkward moment. And then eventually uh, he looked straight at me and, and he, was, he was dying to ask me. And then he looked at me and Sarah and he goes like, so what, what about this? And I'm thinking to myself, so what about it? Did I do something wrong? Am I wearing something? Like, do I have ketchup on my, on, my, uh, on my shirt? I didn't know what was going on. But then eventually his wife came to the rescue and, rescue and she says, no, honey, no, no, no. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. He's not a priest. He can get married <laughs> and have kids. Now, why, why am I telling you this? It's because it's just amazing to see how little people know about different religions. It, it's amazing how people... How little people know about their own religion, never mind somebody else's or, or something different than what they know and believe. And the truth is, because of our lack of knowledge, we end up filling in the blank. Our, our human brains are, are uh, we need to make sense out of things. So we need to have a logic, uh, no, be, uh, beginning, middle, and end to a story or to a phrase. So we fill in the blanks with the stuff we don't know. And, 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 the, and what we do, what we put in the blanks is not necessarily always right. Can I have an Amen. Uh, so this can, and this creates really unnecessary um, confusion, uh, misconceptions, and sometimes even hatred between people simply because we don't know, but we assume things. And it's very hard uh, when we do that. It's very hard for us to really care for or or maybe even love people or something that we don't understand. Isn't that right? It's very hard for us to be able to love someone that we don't understand. And but yet. Jesus has called us to what? To love our neighbor. This is our big idea for today, to love uh, our neighbors. And as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, um, and we're, we're going to see today as well, some of our neighbors have very, very different beliefs than we do. But in order for us to, to love them the way that God has called us to do, we need to get to know a little bit more about them. Can I have an amen? So I hope that through this series, we are all going to be a little more equipped uh, we're all going to be a little more confident as we approach people from different faiths to be able to talk to them, not necessarily hit them over the head with the Bible and, and, and show them everything that they're doing wrong, but to love them like God has called us to do and persuade them, perhaps persuade them to Jesus Christ. Now, persuade is a key word. It comes from, from the Greek. It's divided in two words, persuasio. Persu say persuasio. Persu all right, look to your neighbor and say, I'm feel smart now. Uh, Persuasio, which means through sweetness. So we don't beat people over the head with the Bible. We, we, we persuade them through sweetness of the gospel for them to see that Jesus is the only hope for this world. Can I have an amen? amen. And as we've done through the series, I'm going to be outlining some major differences, some major similarities between Islam and Christianity today. If you, you can pull out your outline now uh, or you can follow us on new version. You're going to see that the outline is huge. There's a lot of information in there. Uh, in the, f the first half of it, I'm going to literally fly through it. So I'm going to need your help in order for us to be able to get through it today, un unless you guys want to stay here until tomorrow. Um, so you need to be fast. You need to be paying attention to me, and you need to be writing down, taking notes pretty fast. You kind of need to become a ninja, all right? So say, say I'm a Christian. Ninja. All right, all right, we're going to get through this just fine. So you ready? Here we go. Let's do a bit of a crash course on Islam. 
where did it all begun? Uh, where did it all begin? It began. Uh, everything started. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are often known as the Abrahamic religious because it all started. It originated with Abraham. Christians and Muslims will consider Ishmael to be the father of the Arabs and Isaac to be the father of the Hebrews. Uh, the, the, the Arabs, the Muslims, will put emphasis in Ishmael because Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham. However, uh, Judaism and Christianity, for that matter, will put emphasis on Isaac because Isaac was the son of the promise uh, of God to Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a son even at their old age. Uh, so he was the son of the promise. Uh, another uh, fact um, that is interesting to know is that Islam uh, is, and Muslim, they're not the same thing. Uh, some people just refer to them as the same thing, but they're not. Islam is actually a religion, uh, and it means submission to God. Islam means submission to God. A Muslim uh, is the one who submits to God. So that's just a little bit of a different terminology here. And it all started with a man called Muhammad. Uh, it, it, he is seen by the Muslims as the prophet Muhammad. On December 22nd of uh, the year 609 AD, uh, he claims to have been visited by Angel Gabriel, who told him to start writing what he was going to be telling him, and that was the word of God verbatim. So exactly as he was telling him to write, he was writing. So it's, the, it's considered by them to be the word of God verbatim. And he did that for the next 23 years of his life. Muhammad uh, just a little bit more about him. He was a polygamist. Uh, he married to a total of 13. He was married to a total of 13 wives over his life, uh, most of them at the same time. Uh, he is seen uh, by the Muslims to be the last uh, and greatest prophet. And the word of God came uh, for them. It came through him. Uh, and, but they, he's not worshipped. Some people think that Muhammad is worshipped by the Muslims. He's not worshipped. He's followed um, and held in very, very, very high regard by the Muslim population, but he's not worshipped by the Muslim population. Only Allah can be worshipped uh, by a Muslim. Uh, another interesting fact, there are 1.6 billion people, billion Muslims uh, today in the world. That's a whole lot of people. It's 23% of the total world population uh, today. Uh, they identify themselves as Muslims, while Christianity has currently 2.2 billion people, or 32% of the world's population. Now, if we bring it back to home, if we bring it back to America, we have about 1% of our population here in America calls themselves Muslims. So you may think, well, 1% is really just a, a little bit. Well, 1% of our population today equates to, give or take, about 3.3 million people. So it's a lot of people that, that are Muslims here in America. So when you think about it, chances are that a couple neighbors maybe people that you work with uh, are Muslims. Maybe you don't even know, but there's a whole lot of Muslims uh, in, in our country today. So understanding them a little bit more will give us really the way to be able to um, approach them and uh, interact with them in, in a, in a life-giving way. Can I have an amen? amen? All right, so let's jump quickly into four areas that we are similar, four areas that Christianity and Islam are similar. The first one is this. Both are monotheistic. That's a, that's a big word, monotheistic. That's a fill in the blank, by the way. Both are monotheistic. What, what does that mean? It means that we believe that there is only one God. We don't believe in several different gods. We believe there's only one God. Uh, and, and that one God is the one that created the universe. That same God is the one that sustains the universe. We also believe that the same God is a righteous God. He's a righteous judge. 
but also he is merciful and he is gracious. According to Christianity and Islam, God has all the power. He is infinite. He is unlimited. So he's omnipotent, which means he has all the power. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient, which means that he's all-knowing. He possesses all knowledge. So that's something we have in common. Second thing we have in common, both believe in angels. Both believe in angels. So both Christianity and Islam believe that uh, angels are always ready to carry out God's commands, God's orders. And, and, and also they believe that there is no uh, difference in gender. Uh, so there's not a female uh, angel or uh, a male angel, angel. But both believe in angels in general. Third one is this. Both believe in heaven and hell. So both Christianity and Islam believe that once we die, once we, once we go from this life to the next life, we have a next life, and we're going to be spending eternity either in heaven or hell. Now, there's a bit of a difference here uh, when it comes to that because the, 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 the Quran, uh, many of the Muslims uh, will believe that, that Allah reserves the right to kind of, you know, change his mind, basically. So you might be in heaven sipping a good espresso, uh, and all of a sudden you're burning in hell. Or you can be in hell suffering, and then all of a sudden you're in, in heaven eating sushi. By the way, I believe in heaven there will be coffee and sushi. If you didn't catch that, that's good and important. Uh, but he, changes his, he can change his mind uh, and just, just, uh, just move you from wherever you are. Also, the version of heaven is a little bit different. In the Quran, there's a bit more emphasis on, on the physical aspect of heaven. And they have a lot of emphasis on sex. Oh, I can see that everybody's awake now. Uh, so they, 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 they believe that there will be sex in heaven. They will believe that people are going to be married uh, in heaven. And they put a lot of emphasis on earthly pleasures in heaven. While the Bible puts a lot of emphasis on the spiritual side of it, the atmosphere of praise and worship towards God. And it clearly says that we are not going to be married or be, or be given into marriage in heaven. But nonetheless, they both believe there is a heaven and there is a hell. Now, the fourth and last one on this category, both believed in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So a lot of people don't know this, but Muslims believe in Jesus. Not the way we do, but they do believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus was sent from God to this earth as a prophet. We all agree on that. Uh, they also believe that he was born out of Virgin Mary. Uh, so a mi miraculous birth uh, out of Virgin Mary. And they both believe that he lived uh, a sinless life on this earth. So isn't that interesting? A lot of people don't know about this, but they do believe that. But when it gets to, towards the end of the life of Jesus, that's when we take very different routes. And we're going to explain that as we go forward. So now we're going to jump into the six major differences um, of Islam and Christianity. We have very different, uh, several other uh, differences. We just don't have the time to uh, address them all today. So number one is this, the nature of God. Both Islam... Uh, both is Islam and Christianity believe that there is only one God. However, the nature of God is very different. Um, the, Islamic, the Islamic world uh, believes that God has a monotheistic um, nature to him, but it's also called strict monotheism. They don't believe that anyone is equal to God. They don't believe that anyone is made uh, in God's image. They don't believe that anyone is partners with God. So they believe there's only one God. To say otherwise... For them is, is blasphemy, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's big trouble. The Arabic name uh, for God is Allah. So some people think that, you know, like when we talk about Allah, they think it's a demon. They think it's, a, 
it's, it's something bad, something wrong. No, Allah actually does not belong to, to Islam. It predates Islam. Christianity uh, and Judaism, uh, way back when, uh, they used to refer to God as Allah. Allah is simply the Arabic name for God. So it's not a bad word, but that's what they use because they are Arabs, right? So Christianity, on the other hand, we believe in one God. Uh, however, most of Christianity today believe in the Holy Trinity. So it's one God in three different persons or personalities or, or roles, per se. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God uh, the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Yes. All right, so Matthew 28, 19, let's see what the Bible says about that. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Therefore, Jesus is, Jesus is saying, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 1 John 5, 7, it's an even stronger scripture when it comes to asserting the, the Trinity. Uh, 1 John 5, 7 says this, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, ref, uh, referring to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, according to the Bible. Islam, on the other hand, will completely reject the notion of the Trinity because to say that someone is a co-equal uh, with God is, again, blasphemy for them. The second thing that we differ, that we are very different, uh, is on the holy book. That's a fill in the blank, the holy book. Islam believes that the holy Quran is the word of God because it was dictated to Prophet Muhammad and, it was, and, and Prophet Muhammad wrote it down verbatim exactly as um, the angel told him to write. It's not written in stories. It's very different uh, than the Bible. It was considered by Muslims to be the final uh, prophecy, the final prophecy uh, from God, and it's considered to be the word of God for them. There's also the Hadith that they believe, uh, which is a series of books that was written after the life of Muhammad, and it was written about the life of Muhammad, how he lived, uh, and it's basically the explanation of how to apply the Quran to our daily lives, how, how the, the practical use of the Quran. In Christianity, especially the Protestant side, uh, we believe in sola scriptura. We believe only in the Bible. Can I have an amen? amen. The Bible comes from the Greek word biblos, biblos, which means books, books, and was given by God to men. The Bible writers uh, uh, were inspired by the Holy Spirit, according to uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. And it took approximately 39 writers, but just one author, and that was God. 39 writers wrote the, the entire Bible over the course of 1,400 years, uh, starting, give or take, uh, in 1,500 B.C., um, 1,500 years, sorry, starting 1,400 B.C., uh, and, and ending approximately at 90 uh, A.D., starting with Genesis, ending with Revelation. Muhammad is not mentioned in the Bible. So therefore, we don't believe, we don't ascribe to or abide to the Quran or anything that he taught. Because when he appeared in the picture, uh, the Bible had already been finished. Uh, and when he started to write the Quran, the Bible had already been written for approximately 500 years. Uh, the, the third thing is the identity of Jesus. So yes, they believe that Jesus was a prophet, so do we. They believe that he was born out of Virgin Mary, so do we. They believe that he was sinless, so do we. But they do not believe that he was the son of God. They believe he was just a prophet. And you can see that in Quran 5.17. On your notes, I have a lot of references in the Quran, so you can verify that too for yourself. Uh, but, it, but you can see that he was not the son of God. There's a verse in Quran that says that God is neither son or father. 
That, that's another little nugget too. A Muslim will see themselves as servants of God, not as sons of God. Um, the Christianity, Christianity will believe that, of course, Jesus is the son of God. And you can see that in the Bible. Uh, when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, um, and, and Jesus said, but what about you, Peter? Who do you say I am? And then Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by who? By my Father in heaven. So Christianity will believe that, son, that Jesus is the Son of God, is the second person in the Holy Trinity, true God from true God. Can I have an amen? amen. All right, number four, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So pay attention because this is important. The death and resurrection of Jesus. Islam believes that Jesus, when he was going um, to the Calvary to be crucified, they believe that God rescues him from that trip. He rescues him midway uh, and puts somebody else in place. Are you catching this? He puts somebody else in place. And most scholars, most Muslim scholars believe and they teach that that somebody uh, was Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. Kind of a sweet payback. But the way they also explain is that when Judas was going up to the Calvary carrying the cross, uh, people would look at Judas, but they would see Jesus. They would see the face, the body, everything was Jesus, kind of like playing a trick on them while Jesus was in heaven. So he was ascended to heaven and did not die. Needless to say, they don't believe that Jesus was resurrected because he didn't even die. Christianity, on the other hand, we believe that Jesus was crucified. In fact, that is like our, our faith uh, hangs on that. The fact that he was crucified for all of our sins, but he rose again. Can I have an amen? amen. Luke 23, 33 says this. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. Matthew 28, 5 through 6 says this. The angel said to the women uh, that, were, that went to the tomb of Jesus on the third day, uh, the angel said, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, the one who was crucified. He is no longer here. He has risen, just as he said he would. So that's, that's a big difference in the death and resurrection of Christ. They don't believe he died. And needless to say, he wasn't resurrected, according to them. But we do. Uh, number five, uh, another area that we think very differently is the original sin. Muslims will believe that people are born good generally good they, they don't believe that they have a sinful nature that they have a bent towards sin they believe that everybody is um, born basically good and, and free of sin uh, they believe that everybody has the same choice to make to do good things or to do bad things they, be, they don't believe that the sin of adam was transferred over to humanity because they teach and they think that god uh, forgave adam and because of that it didn't transfer over and also they say that it makes no sense for somebody, like the rest of the humanity, to pay for the sin of one person. That's how they believe. In Christianity, however, we believe that everybody is born with a sinful nature. Every single person is born with a sinful nature. For all fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says in, in Romans. Uh, in Ephesians 2, 3, it says, All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Like, what is that way? That's a sinful way. But and we're following the passion, desires, and inclinations of our sinful nature. So it takes being born again, being born out of the Spirit, in order for us to be able to receive a new nature from God. 
And that is very clear in the scripture. Uh, number six, and last one in this segment, how do you get saved? So once salvation is the fill in the blank. How do you get saved? Through Islam, it's a little more complicated than Christianity. Islam believes that salvation comes from faith in Allah, faith in God, but then also from good works, meaning your personal righteousness needs to outweigh your personal sin. So literally, every day, you got to be thinking, did I do better today or more good stuff than bad stuff? Did I sin more or did I do good deeds more uh, today? And then transfer over the balance for next day. Can, can you think about that? That's crazy. Some people have a hard time balancing a checkbook. Imagine that. <laughs> but that's how they live. That's how they live. So it's faith in Allah. It's uh, personal righteousness outweighing personal sin. And they also have to live uh, by the five pillars of Islam. And that is, again, part of the works, part of the second one. And the five pillars of Islam, I don't have time to explain them all today. But I'm just going to mention them quickly. Number one is the Muslim profession of faith. Number two is prayer. Uh, some, some of them, depending on, on the, the branch that they belong to, they pray five times a day. Some of them just once a day in their congregation. Number three is payment of the alms, which is kind of a charity tax to help the poor of 2.5% of whatever they, they, they make, whatever their income. Uh, number four is 30-day fast every year during the, the holy month of Ramadan. And then number five is pilgrimage to Mecca. At least once in their lifetime, they have to go to Mecca. And, and God is the one that will really, uh, or Allah is the one that will really kind of determine whether or not they could have gone to Mecca. Because if they don't have the means to go, you know, God is mer merciful. But God is the one that determines maybe it wasn't sacrificed enough. Or, so God is the one that determines that. But every one of them, they need to go to Mecca at least once uh, in their lifetime. Christianity, on the other hand... Praise the Lord for this. We believe that one can be saved by grace only and through our faith. We don't have to. We can't earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do uh, that, that, that will make God loves us more or less. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, or, 8 through 9, says this. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast about it. So basically you, you mix your faith with God's grace, and you're saved. One is saved by believing in Jesus Christ, by believing that he's the son of God, by believing that his sacrifice on the cross was payment enough for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we believe that we can't just be, uh, try, to, uh, try to measure up on our own. Are we good? You guys feel you learned something? All right, so let's, let's move on to a, to a different a segment right now. Let me just start with a little bit of a story here. There was a guy that used to love to give very expensive, exquisite, exotic uh, gifts to his mom. And then, so he saw this bird and he thought, this, this is the best, this is the ideal gift for her. And he bought the bird. And it was a very expensive $5,000 bird that could speak and dance and uh, play tricks and tell jokes. It was a, a crazy bird. So he bought, he bought the bird, shipped it over to his mom, and then uh, just a few days later, he um, decided to call in and kind of check in and see how they were doing. So he calls in. He goes, hey, mom, how you doing? How, 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 how was the bird I sent you? Did you like it? Did you like the bird I sent you? And then she goes like, well, it was good. <laughs> so he was very mad. He was like, mom, I can't believe you ate the bird. I can't believe you ate the bird. It was a very expensive bird, mom. It could speak. 
He could speak. He could tell jokes and dance and sing and could do all that. Mom, he could speak. Can you think about him, Mom? Why would you eat the bird? And in that moment of silence, and then eventually she says, well, I should have said something. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? Because sometimes there's a price to be paid if we just stay quiet, if we just don't speak up. Now, we're going to talk about a subject that many people think about when we're talking about Muslims, when we're talking about Islam. Many people think about it. And, and it's almost impossible for you to turn the TV on, the media, the news, uh, the radio, uh, like news radio and stuff like that, and, and not to hear something about this. We're, we're going to be talking about ISIS right now. Talking a little bit about ISIS, which is Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. Um, they are trying to be called, for, for a season they were trying to be called uh, ISOL with an L um, uh, at the end. And, and even media today and, and our own president is calling them ISOL, uh, which is Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. But that's not accurate because the Levant includes Israel and Israel is not part of it. Uh, so ISIS uh, is the correct acronym for them. Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. Now, not everyone wants to talk about it because there's so many angles that you can talk about this. Uh, and, and some people are even afraid about consequences of even talking about this. But I believe that at Connect we have a mantle or maybe a mandate uh, to tackle difficult issues because it's, it's got to be talked about by someone somewhere. Uh, and, and we don't shy away from it. We, we talk about controversial uh, issues and and just to be clear, um, I'm not so concerned with being politically correct. Uh, my concern uh, in my agenda is to be bi biblically correct. Can I have an amen? amen. Uh, so I submit to you that after studying a whole lot about this, uh, these are my conclusions. And, and you can study uh, yourself as well and, and just see uh, how much is out there. There's a lot of material. But just don't be careful not to be deceived uh, if you decide to go down that road. Uh, and you're going to see why in just a second. But so who are they? Who, who is ISIS? They call themselves and uh, they're called by the media uh, to be radical Islam. Radical Islam. Is that title correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They are radical uh, Muslims. Uh, why, why am I saying that they're radical? Understanding the word radical is important for us to really get a big picture of exactly who they are and what they do, what they're all about. Understanding radical is important. Radical comes from uh, going back to the roots. So, the, so it's, it means to go back to the roots of something. So remember when you were in school and you were talking about the square root of 16 is, let's see if you got four, four. All right, just to clarify. So the square root of, of 16 is four because four times four is, is 16. So we're going back to what? To the root, to the root, the radical, uh, the root. So we go back to the root and to be a radical Muslim means to go back to the roots of Islam, to go, back to, to go back to the roots of the Hadith, to go back to the roots of the life uh, of Muhammad himself. That's what it means to be a radical Muslim. Now, the Quran itself is very hard to understand. It's not written like the Bible. It's not a narrative. It's written like the Word of God verbatim. And I have one right here. Uh, the, the Quran, in the whole book of Quran, there's, not, there's only one story that, that has a beginning, middle, and end. Everything else is just thrown out there. You have two verses or three verses about a certain subject. Um, and, and then two or three chapters later, it, it picks up again. So it's very hard to understand. So what, what do they do? They go back to the life of the one 
that lived the Quran to the one that actually wrote the Quran uh, in order for them to mirror themselves in them, in him, which is the Prophet Muhammad. So they followed the best example, which is Muhammad himself. Now, Muhammad was a violent man. His entire life, he was in, in battle. He was in war. And what Muslims will tell you is that uh, he was in war protecting his faith. The truth is, if you look at all manuscripts that Muslim will purposefully just put aside, you're going to see that, yes, he was protecting his faith, but he was also in war to advance his faith. He was in war to convert people into Islam uh, or else. And you can figure it out what, what or else means. Um, Muhammad was a very violent man. And, and you can see that being transferred over to today because of these radical Muslims, people that were following the, the, the Islam and following Muhammad to the best of their ability. In June of 2014, when they took over uh, a big city uh, in, in, in Iraq called um, Mosul, uh, they, they took over that city where there's a lot of Christians living there. Uh, and when they did, they gave the choice to all the Christians that lived there or anyone that wouldn't abide by uh, Islam, they gave them a choice. You can either convert... You can either, uh, if, not, if not, if you want to protect your faith and still do whatever you do, uh, you need to pay the alms. But it's different than the Islam, than the Muslims. Muslims will pay 2.5% of their income. Now, for anyone trying to defend their faith, if they were very, very poor, if they make very little money, they would pay 20% of everything they made. So it's based on income. If they make a little bit of money, a little bit more, they would go up to 40%. And if they make a little more money than that, it go up to 80%. So basically, the choices are you either convert or you live miserably because we're going to take everything that you make, basically. Uh, or the third one, you die. That was the choice that was given to all the Christians. Uh, and, and this is two years ago. It's, I'm not talking about 1,400 years ago. I'm taking, talking about two years ago. These are radical Muslims. You know, Christians took the fourth option and they fled, most of them fled some perished true radical islam is not pacifist it is violent because of the one that they mirror themselves uh, with i was reading a cnn document about being politically correct uh and the need of being politically correct and, and i was sick to my stomach of how people are so afraid of facing the reality of telling it like it is of telling the truth and exposing things they're so afraid of it they're so afraid of it because they want to be politically correct but until we face, until we accept the reality, uh, we're never going to be able to change it. We have to face it. Otherwise, we end up like the bird. Consequences because we don't speak up. People need to know it's not only a minority that think that way. I was doing a little research yesterday, uh, and I just, I just saw this that, that shocked me. So ISIS right now is supposed to have between 25, estimated to have between 25 and 30,000 people, okay, uh, that, that is part of ISIS which is a, 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 a like very little percentage of the Muslim world. However, in a um, poll uh, conducted here in the U.S., not even talking about the world, but here in the U.S., 30% of Muslims here in the U.S. said that it is okay to use violence against those that insult Islam and or Prophet Muhammad. It is okay to use violence. Hmm. And that's U.S. alone. That's about a million people inside the United States that think that way. Now, we, we go in a global scale now. 72% uh, of Muslims in the world would like to see the Sharia law to be the law of the land where they live. So 
take the Constitution away, take all the laws that we have now, and put Sharia law in place. Hmm. Now, Sharia law is, again, the Islam law. And I'm going to give you a bit of a synopsis of what it looks like, a brief summary of what it looks like. In the Sharia law, it says that criticizing or denying any part of the Quran is punishable by what? Death. Criticizing Muhammad or denying that he is the prophet uh, is punishable by death. A Muslim who becomes a non-Muslim is punishable by death. A non-Muslim who leads a Muslim away from Islam is punishable by death. Now this is sick. A man can marry an infant girl and consummates the marriage when she is nine years old. Now where are they getting this from? Muhammad. Muhammad married a girl called Aisha when she was six years old. And when she was nine years old, he consummated the marriage. And you know what consummate means. And he was 53 years old at the time. That is sick. But it is the Sharia law. It also says that a man can beat his wife for insubordination. It says that testimonies of four male witnesses are required to prove rape against a woman. Muslims should engage in taqiyah uh, and lie to non-Muslims in order to advance Islam. So whenever uh, you, you may be talking to a Muslim and they may be withholding the truth or even like flat out lying about Islam, it's okay according to Allah to lie in order to advance uh, Islam. So that's Sharia law. And 72% of the population, we're talking over a million people, 72% of the pop, a billion people, 72% of the population, Muslim population, believe that Sharia law should be the law of the land where they live. And that is uh, scary. The Quran has 149 verses known as the verses of the sword, instructing people, instructing Muslims on how to deal with infidels, on how to deal with people that leave uh, the, the Muslim faith. And it's all with the sword, how to kill them. So Islam is not necessarily a peaceful or pacifist religion. It is, in fact, violent. The Quran, it says in, in chapter 47, verses 4 through 6, it says this. So when you meet those who disbelieve, uh, you strike their necks. What does that mean? You cut their heads off. And then it says this. And those who are killed in the cause of Allah. So though the Muslims that are killed in the name of Allah, uh, Allah will never waste their deeds. He will guide them and amend their condition to admit them into paradise. Now, I talked before that a Muslim never has assurance of salvation. The only place, the only two verses in the Quran that assures them salvation are these two. If you die in the name of Allah, you're going to get to paradise. Now, when you, now, now that you know this, you can see how, uh, how attractive it can be for a Muslim to give their lives in the name of Allah. That's why you see so many suicide bombers. That's why you see so many people just willingly uh, going for their death because it is in the name of Allah. Isn't that scary? Do they base themselves in the Quran? 100% they do. Do they call themselves Muslims? Yes, they do. Are all the Muslim terrorists? No. No. The same way as you have many Christians that say they're Christian and they go to church you know, on Christmas and on Easter, the same way you have people that call themselves Muslims, they, they, they are not necessarily going back to the roots of, of Islam. But if they were to, yes, they would be. If they were to go back to the roots of Islam, going back to the Quran and to the life of Muhammad, they would be. So what is our role 
as, as, as Christians, what is our role when it comes to ISIS? Two things that we can do. One is support. Support the people. Support the brothers and sisters that we have suffering persecution. We, we can be so disconnected from it. We see it in the news. It grieves us. But we are here in the U.S. We can be so disconnected. Sometimes we forget very quickly what happened in 9-11. Sometimes we forget very quickly what happened in different places uh, here in the U.S. even after that. But we can be so disconnected to it. So being connected and suffering in prayer and, and interceding for our brothers and sisters is key, um, is key as, as, as a Christian person. Second thing is this. Pray for ISIS. We need to be praying for ISIS. Now, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I am serious. Look at what the Bible says. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those that mistreat you. Yes, we should be praying for them. We should be praying for them. And I'll, and I'll give you an example why. To have Christians be persecuted, to be uh, killed, and to be imprisoned is not necessarily new. It did not start with ISIS. It's not new. In fact, it dates back to biblical times. If you look at the life of Paul, the apostle Paul, the super apostle, the one that wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, he's definitely a man, a man of God, isn't he? Now, if you look back a little bit, he used to be called Saul before he became Paul. And we can look at his life, and he was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. You can, you can even call him the ISIS of, of the biblical times. And uh, the book of Acts will actually show you this. If you look, if you look at uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and, and 3, it says this. Verse 1 says this. And Saul approved of their killing him. Talking about Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. But in verse 3 says this. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house, dragging off both men and women and putting them in prison. You see, he was doing that back then because he was a terrorist. However, if you, if you fast forward to Acts 9, verse 3 and following, it says this. And he neared Damascus. On his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell down to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and it will be told what you must do. From that moment forward, the life of Saul changed, and eventually he became Paul and who we know today as the Apostle Paul. Now, Saul had power. He had money. He had means. He had friends in high places. He was not going to stop. There was nothing that could stop him from whatever he was, his agenda was, from whatever he was doing. It took an encounter with God to change him. And we need to pray and ask God to be able to reach Anyone and everyone in ISIS to give them an encounter with God. Because that's the only thing that will change is their hearts. Is their hearts. Now catch this. This is important. These people, ISIS, they're willing to believe there are causes worth dying for. Because they don't know there's a peace. There's a love living, uh, worth living for. They simply don't know that. You know, there's a reason Savior. We do not serve a dead uh, 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 prophet lying in, in a tomb right now. We, we serve a risen Savior. Can I have an amen? Yes. We serve a risen Savior. Jesus has done the dying so we can do the living. I don't, I don't serve a Lord that I need, I need to die for. My Lord already died for me. 
already died for me. And we need to spread that, the, the news, the good news of the gospel to everyone because Jesus died for everyone. I came across this video uh, when I was uh, just researching this, and, and it really spoke to me uh, deeply, and I'm going to show you in just a second. But uh, if, I, if I were able to, to communicate with anyone and everyone in ISIS, this sums up pretty much everything that I would like to say to them. So I really wish that anyone, uh, uh, that anyone in ISIS could see this, but just take a look at this video.
awesome? You see, they, they don't know there's a beauty, there's grace, there's love, there's acceptance, there's assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. They don't know that. It is up to us, Christianity, to bring the news to them. John 8.32 says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth by itself does nothing unless you know it. You can put a Bible next to them. If they don't read it, it won't change them. The Bible also says in Psalms 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How can they taste if we don't bring it to them? We are called to go and preach the gospel. People don't come to the gospel. We bring the gospel to them. It is our responsibility to do that. Now, you might be thinking, but I don't know enough. I, I can't start a conversation with somebody that believes differently than me because I don't know enough. I'm afraid. Think again. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled. They didn't have a bachelor's in theology. They were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. They were shocked. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But if you go back to the beginning of the verse, it says, when they saw courage. They didn't see a diploma. They didn't see eloquence. They didn't see people that really know what they were talking about. When they saw the courage, they were astonished. You can stand on your feet. The other day I went to a store and I bought something small fairly expensive technology nowadays making everything smaller and more and more expensive so I bought this item and I was busy I was on the phone and uh, I paid for the item and I left but I left the item there I forgot to pick it up and the, the person behind me just ran after me in a parking lot and, and gave it to me and he said like you know I thought that you wanted to have this because it's it's expensive so I was grateful that he did that got in my car and left why am I telling you this because Jesus paid the highest price the highest price for all of us and it was like when he was walking up to the Calvary where he's going to be crucified he was walking up carrying the cross he was adding to his shopping cart he was adding you he was adding your family he was adding me he was adding all of our sins all of our iniquities Everything that we did wrong, he was adding into the shopping cart. And the shopping cart started to get heavier and heavier and heavier as it went up. It got to a certain point that everything was there. Every single person in the world, every single sin ever committed or to be committed was on his shopping cart. It was on the cross. And when he had to check out, the web page that kind of came up wasn't necessarily saying, hey, like the form of payment there was no credit card or checking account that could handle that the only form of payment was his life and he did he gave his life for us and he clicked submit that cost him everything cost his life and just like the person did for me 
when I left my item there, he ran after me and he gave me the item because it was important to me. This, this message is really not about putting fear in you. That's what they're trying to do. But this message is to put urgency in you to preach the gospel. It is a life and death matter. And so I, I urge you to do everything that we can possibly do to make sure that God gets what he paid for. Can I have an amen? You can close your eyes, bow your heads. Just give a little bit of privacy to the people next to you. Maybe you're here today and, and you don't have that assurance. You don't know. If today was your day, you don't know whether or not you would go to heaven. Because you've been trying to always do good. You've been trying to always measure up. Always make sure that you do more good than bad. If that is you today, I have good news for you. You don't have to anymore. All of your sins, past, present, and future, has already been paid for. All you got to do is mix your faith with His grace. Is to accept the sacrifice of the cross as payment for all of your sins. That's all you got to do. Or maybe you're, you're here today, or maybe you're watching online or on cable, and you're a Muslim. I just want you to know that Jesus died for you too. That all of your sins, past, present, and future, were already paid for. You don't have to try to pay yourself. You can have assurance of salvation. You can have love and acceptance. You can have the sense of community that you have there, you have here too. And then some. And I urge you, I urge you to listen to my words and give your heart to Christ. Because no one goes to the Father if not through Him. And if that's you today here, church, if you're tired of trying to make it on your own and you realize that you have to give up, surrender your efforts, but trust in the finished work of the cross and you haven't done that before and you just want to feel sure of your salvation. If that's you today, go ahead and raise your hand boldly. Just between me, you and God. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, church, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I surrender my life to you today. I realize I can't make it on my own. I realize that you've done the dying so I can do the living. Come into my heart. Dwell in my heart. Change me from the inside out. And from this day forward, I will never be the same. Because now I have assurance that I'm saved that when I die I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus in Jesus name Father God thank you Lord for everyone that is here today Lord and Lord I just pray that this message Lord is seen and, and, and heard as fuel to every Christian that hears it Lord to be able to go out and preach the gospel to be able to be unashamed of the gospel but to be courageous Lord and just bring the good news of the gospel to everyone everyone so that some may be saved 
Lord, you pay a highest price for everyone, not just one person, not just Christians, but for everyone. You died for all, according to Titus 2.11. Lord, I, I, I thank you for your sacrifice, Lord, and I thank you for what you're going to do in and through us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said a big? Amen. Amen.